What is it, son? My friends. Oh, well, you see, that's the mortal in you, Peter. Yes. We are beyond such things. Yes. Now. But my mother. You said you loved my mother. And that I did. My river lily, who knew all the words to every song that came over the radio. I returned to Earth to see her three times, and I knew if I returned a fourth, I'd, I'd never leave. The expansion, reason for my very existence would be over, so I did what I had to do. But it broke my heart to put that tumor in her head. Hello and welcome to episode 137 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host Becca and as always I am joined by my lovely co-hosts Dave Bond and Chris Byrne who are half human, half celestial beings. How are you both doing? Good evening, folks. I'm trying to figure out which which uh, half of me is uh, celestial. Uh, it, uh, I don't think it's the the half with my arsehole in it, because <laughs> there's nothing heavenly about that. The upper half. The upper half. Yeah, it's the yeah, it's the half with the breasts. Yeah. Oh, it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this week, I'm very excited. We are reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Which has the most amazing soundtrack, so I'm looking forward to getting to it. Better than the first one? Oh, on a similar. I, mean, I prefer level. it myself, but that's my opinion. But anything that's got, um, you know, a bit of a Beatles tinge to it is all good. So, the movie stars Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Karen Gunn, Vin Diesel, Pum Clementif. Sorry if I mispronounce your name. Um, Bradley Cooper, <laughs> Stallone, Kurt Russell, and Seth Green is how the duck. Music by Tyler Bates, directed by and written by James Gunn, released 2017. So, Guardians 2. Uh, Dave, do you want to start to kick us off with this one? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm definitely coming to the opinion with, with the Guardians that um, my first viewing with any of their content seems to be my first. Um, and that's not really to say anything against it. But I had a really good time with this at the cinema. Uh, probably held it in a, quite a similar esteem to the first one. That's sort of still the case. I think it deepens the original. I think it adds something to that original experience, of, you know, with all the Yondu stuff and Peter's background, which on paper I was less clean, keen about hearing before I went in. I think um, it's a more consistent film than the first one, certainly, if I had to say something really nice about it. Act 3 of Guardians of the Galaxy I really didn't enjoy. All that sort of firing up at the sky bollocks I talked about at the time. Absolute poster boy for my sort of third act issues in life. Which I've over, I've always overstated because decent action films draw me in no problem at all. Um, but Guardians of the Galaxy stopped telling a story after an hour and a quarter or whatever it was and just did all that shit for half an hour. 
great film though it is this film I don't think is anywhere near as iconic I think 20 years from now people will remember the Mary Poppins quote and that's probably about it it is more consistent and it earns it earns its emotions it earns that sort of third act stuff and Baby Groot stuff's all really great I think the, the hint at a broadening of the universe is great you know just, just sort of cameos from Sly Stallone, Michelle Yeoh Bing Rames and probably others I haven't spotted or I've forgotten about Miley Cyrus. Um, Miley oh, yeah. Cyrus. I didn't spot that one. Well, no, really, um, she, you don't. She's she's like the she's like the talking head voice. Yeah, that, she that's an okay. uncredited one. So that's yeah. a, that's a really fun only... fact. Although I have to say, the gold lady does give off a bit of a fucking Paris Hilton here. But, <laughs> it's um, just a little bit. Like Paris. But that said, I, I came out very positive about it. Thought it's a similar standard to the first one, at a headline level. On first viewing, I thought the soundtrack was a little bit more self-conscious in some respects, and the it would it just wasn't as fresh as often happens with sequels, unless you do something wildly different. Uh, but I didn't think about it thereafter. I, I've, I've barely watched the film since it was released. I'm never drawn to watch the film, and when I watched it tonight, I enjoyed it. You know, wonderful to see Batista given a sort of slightly expanded role, and it works. Because again, that's a joke that could be done to death. Uh, the, just that character generally, but it works really, really well. Uh, always pleased to see Kurt Russell, and it, and again, it works. He, he's just a perfect choice and a, and a good idea. Um, with the lack of an Infinity Stone, that means the film stands alone very well, but it also probably means it doesn't tie into anything with great importance. And I'm, I think I'll sort of pick up more on where, what I think of it and, and where I want to go with discussion of it as I go along. Because I watched it at the time. I've watched it tonight. I'm very positive. Don't love it and I don't know why. And I'll just leave it there for a minute. All right. Chris. All right. Uh, I'll go. Becca, do you want to go first? Ladies first? You can go. You can go. Okay. Well, um, so, well, so we did Doctor Strange before, and before that it was Civil War, and I and I can state it's Civil War's my favourite. Um, uh, go like right now, and for for me, it's at the moment it's a bit of a toss up uh, between this and that. Uh, what Dave said is absolutely right. I think what he said it's a little bit more understated. It's a bit more smaller film. Uh, it it it's a, it's a bit more of a personal. Um, story really, uh, than 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 say like the, the other Marvel films because there's no there's there's high stakes, but it, it feels very small if you know what I mean. I I think what as Dave said it what sells this film to me is it earns the emotional ending, and not many of the Marvel films have done that. And uh, I think I've seen it about three times now. Uh, and I, I, for me, I think it's, I think it just, it, it's almost like perfect. Bar maybe it drags more in the middle. You know, it is over two hours. Maybe need to tighten up though. I never really feel, feel it drag. But um, yeah, I think it. What really impresses me it is just how well thought out the characters are. Everyone is given something to do. Uh, Everyone, you know, nothing feels forced. I think when we did, me and Dave did a summer review, I, 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 one of my praises was just how it, it didn't feel like anything was contrived or forced for the story. Everything felt like the natural decisions of what the characters would make. 
and that's one of the things I was just generally just like impressed by. Uh, and right up to the, to the very end, it, it all just clicks. It, everything makes sense. Everything feels earned. And uh, I really and I really appreciate it. So it, so yeah, going in, I, I would say Civil War is probably the the one I admire. This this probably is the one I as more of a personal favorite. Uh, so that's that's me going in, Becca. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Um, I think, considering I know nothing about the Guardian series, sadly I never read the comics. Um, going in, I think towards the, the later stages of, of Phase Two and Three, I know very little about the content. But in terms of the comics, I've sadly never read them. But these two films, Volumes One and Two, are for me some of the most enjoyable in the series up there with um, the original Avengers movie. These two films I've had such a great time with, really enjoyed, despite the fact I know nothing about the characters. Um, and for me, at the end of this film in particular, it was a real surprise to see like alternate versions. And obviously, now we've got Michelle Yeoh back in um, with Star Trek Discovery, but to like to see her on screen as well, I was just like, yes, you know, <laughs> considering she's such a such an icon. Yeah. Fact, and, and, and as a fun fact, she had as much co- chemistry with Pierce Brosnan in this film <laughs> as she did in Tomorrow Never Dies. As she did here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> dear oh dear, bless her. She tried. But well, no fault. She kicked ass. And that's all that matters. Yeah. But no, I had a really good time with this one. Um, really great in in terms of like the the score as well. In terms of also the um the awesome mix volume two. I'm sort of loving the vibe given off by the music. Um, yeah, totally agree with Chris. Definitely. I think it, the only problem I have is like kind of pacing around the middle. Um, and the kind of twist that isn't really a twist. Um, but yeah. Um, was all that twist that you see coming? completely yeah it's one of those twists that isn't really a twist and you can kind of they telegraph it a long time ago i mean yeah i mean I, i'll be honest like i i didn't see it coming but i, I must have in, in hindsight it's blatantly obvious but yeah I, it's I, one of those ones you can kind of think oh yeah of course but i, I i'll be honest i just wasn't even like trying like, i think i i, I if, I, if I, I remember right i don't think i even tried tried to guess anything i just sort of went, went oh new guardians film look forward to see that yeah, sat down see- Watched it. With it don't you? I didn't. Kind of get... I didn't sort of like contemplate or like try and figure out what what was going to happen beforehand. I just sort of like just let it wash over me at first viewing. So that's probably why it was like, oh, okay, he's 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 going to be the. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the only thing that just kind of niggled me a little bit was obviously watching this on on home release. Um, but it's just because I don't have the technology. It's obviously it was sort of three D, and then watch it again, and you know, and, and stun- standard HD, I guess. Yeah, but it's not three um, D. No, there's. Well, Exactly. That's, that's what kind of, shot in 3D. That's what kind of annoys me a little bit. I'm like, but at the same time, it's fine. I don't get. I don't get what your point is. This isn't. This wasn't shot in 3D. You're not losing anything by not watching it. No, that's it. But it's just kind of having seen it, and then obviously, you, you know, when when they're trying hard to convert, you know, sort of two. To, 3D to, to, if, if that makes sense to, to get you out, you're out of spending more money um, yeah, yeah it's, it's that kind of thing really um, it's a little bit just like oh it just it grates on me a little bit it's like knowing that you know it's a kind of a sort of anim- animated I suppose um, knowing that it's, it's going to be in, in sort of sort of post um, 3D as it were and it's just like oh and it's kind of there's, there's little moments in this film that, that kind of pepper with that and it just it just takes me out of the film but otherwise thoroughly enjoyed it give it a solid 4 out of 5 really enjoyed it had a good time with it Dragged a little bit in the middle, um, but yeah, no, it was cast all in fine form. Um, it's actually one of the funniest in the series for me as well. Um, Humor's really on fine form. Script's brilliant. Is it as that Kurt funny? Russell, 
is that funniest as in in relation to the other Guardians film, or funniest in terms of Marvel itself? Um, I'd probably say I think probably in terms of Marvel, I think, because uh, some some of them it can be pretty heavy-handed. Obviously, the stakes are quite heavy here. Um, there's, there's quite a lot at stake, and obviously, as we come towards Endgame, you know, the whole life Earth is at stake. But I think yeah, this kind of it really brings you out of it, and it brings a more human. <laughs> Um, to it as well, considering we're out in the galaxy with various races and, and creatures and things like that, it kind of just bring, make, you know brings it a bit more human and makes it a bit more relatable. Mm. And as you said, Chris, definitely this is more, even though it's it's very big, it's also a very small film. Um, it's very personal. It's all about you know his father and and his backstory of of, of how how things came to be, um, yeah. which I think is 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 beautifully shot as well. I think some of um, I was saying last week about Doctor Strange is probably one of the most visually beautiful films. Um, and special effects um once we get to ego's planet which <laughs> is the name of which i can't remember i think it's just ego's planet it's just utterly beautiful and it's it reminds me very much of um this is not really weird but you know there's like they see um magic eye things from the 90s and it's a bit like that oh god yeah i remember them it's, it's a bit they're kind of not, not you saw a unicorn to... on, a, on a unicycle <laughs> <laughs> if you were oh, you look at that. it's a pony um yeah. but no, it's that kind of or or something um, like a, a Ghibli movie or something, it's, you know, aesthetically pleasing. It's a very, a very beautiful world. Obviously, it's all there's a kind of a sneaky underhandedness to it, and there's a there's a kind of there's a dark underbelly which you really don't want to see. Um, but it's, it's that, just very beautiful and it's very aesthetically pleasing. That's what a sequel's meant to do. Well, what exactly, a sequel obviously. does when it's when it does it properly. It's because, all that world building. So. Well, it's it's the fact that you know we talk about this with the Bond series sometimes that you know they they, they rock up to start <laughs> preparing new one uh every you know couple of decades and uh <laughs> you know the first thing you know craig will say is the first thing we thought was how can we top the last one and just think well look at the history of your own series that that leads you to a really silly place and some of the best films in the series in fact most of the best films in the series i would postulate are smaller than the film that preceded it in almost all cases majesties in the bond series is smaller than you only live twice you know uh your eyes only is smaller than Moonraker. Casino Royale is smaller than Die Another Day, um, and so it goes on. It's when they strip it back and start thinking about character first. And I think the easy thing here would have been just to dream up another adventure, yeah. but they seem to start from the first principles of where do we want the character to go. I say character singular because it is largely Peter Quill, mm. but they thought about where they wanted it to go first there is evidence of a bigger budget here even the opening set pieces i'm not even sure they could have done as much of that with the first film um once they'd sort of sorted out all their backgrounds and general sort of plates so there's evidence that it's bigger in terms of what they are able to do and i suppose terraforming worlds is is big in technical terms but the story is 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 actually deceptively a bit smaller and that is what you are meant to do and if you can godfather 2 style actually improve the first film with the bits you fill in uh, of character then you've done a really good job and i think they've done that here mm. yeah because yeah. it's, it's mainly focused on, on peter but it's also they've really sort of you know touched on gamora and um uh, nebula as, as well as well as rocket and and given uh, michael rooker yeah um yeah 
I mean, obviously yeah, he's, he's the, really the Yondu too, character yeah. is completely... But again, I, I never got any impression that they dreamt this up for this film. You know, the Zack Snyder way of let's throw in a curveball, let's throw in a twist, yeah. you know. This is this is very much... I, I could be very, very clear in my mind that that's where James Gunn knew at the outset he would take this in a sequel. Mm. And he did the first film. Um, we're not going to talk, I don't think, too much about the whole James Gunn business that has happened, but obviously we started this series, and very early in the series, James Gunn was fired. He is at the time of recording. For those who want some context when they're listening to this down the line, um, we know at the time of recording that James Gunn is now back for the third film. Yeah, he's been rehired, hasn't so, he? So it's due to like, previous tweets some that resurfaced. Some would say he was never really fired, but... Uh... Ah, that's a very sneaky Disney. Yeah. Very, very sneaky. Um, I think but... it's very at the behest of, of fans, at the behest of you know the cast and sort of you know big big players within Marvel's way. So you, you know he's he's directed these two films. He basically is Guardians. What are you doing, Disney? Get him back in. So I think you've got to draw a line between Disney and Marvel as well. well um, yeah, <laughs> true. From what I from what, what we can, from what we can gather, Marvel wanted to keep him. Yeah. Disney felt from a PR perspective they should let him go. Because they're more kind of family obviously... friendly, I must say. Yeah, but they, they, but the problem with that though is like, okay, I mean the tweets were a bit dodgy, but at the same time, like they were from what years ago. The like... worst thing about the tweets, in my view, was they weren't funny. That yeah. was that was his, that was his only crime. There, he was trying to be. He was in his sort of edgy stand-up comedian phase, and he posted out all these tweets he thought were like edgy. And the the biggest crime is they're not funny. You also have to remember, like, what, what was it? What ten years ago or something like that, wasn't it? It was just, oh, maybe think, just shy. Even a little, even a little bit further. I think they might even be as far back as something okay. like two thousand. So, but whatever. Bear, yeah, bear in mind, Twitter would back. be a different. It's a different place back then, so it would have felt a bit more experimental vibe going on as well. Yeah. So context yeah. does matter. Which is way more civilized these days. Oh god. But yes, and um, but yeah, but also it's just like you know, from a PR perspective, just wait it out. No one's going to give a shit by the time the film would be out anyway. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, well, it was a coordinated. <laughs> without getting into the politics of. We know it was a coordinated takedown of him. We know who it was co- coordinated or what groups it was coordinated by. Um, I think a few months for everything to cool off hasn't necessarily been a bad thing. It's probably freed up another slot for Marvel to try something else, like the Eternals or something, which they are deep into casting now with rumours mm. sort of swirling around that. And actually... James Gunn's going to end up doing the Suicide Squad for DC as well. So in some respects, every everyone has kind of ended up benefiting out of it. Yeah, it's, so uh, Warner Brothers no, no loss now, but... are turning things around by looks of things because uh, Shazam's meant to be getting getting decent. Um, yeah, it's getting decent reviews now, isn't it? Yeah, so everyone, everyone's sort of saying, "Yeah, sounds sounds better good, than so... decent, excellent reviews." Yeah. So, so we've got that with Wonder so... Woman possibly. So if that holds yeah. holds up. By the time we release this episode, Shazam will have just literally just come out. So, um, literally, by the time this is sort of you know dropping in your feeds to download or stream, it's probably the day we saw it. That sort of thing. But yeah, yeah. coming soon on a cohesive DC universe. (laughs) (laughs) They've got a plan. Um, Probably. Maybe. Hopefully. Um, So they got a plan now. Yeah, yeah. I, think, now I, think, they have. I think all I, all I wanted to to point out is just just for context that in some respects we haven't needed to talk about 
much because it's no longer an issue. But in not talking about it much, you almost have to bring it up. So yeah, James Gunn is back at the time of recording. Um, but yeah, there there is. It seems fairly clear to me he's got a plan for this. But I find it a harder film to uh, remember the details of. I've seen it today, so I should be fine for this. But it's a it's a film that I find it harder to remember the details of than its sequel. Uh, sorry, than its predecessor than the first one. The first I could sit here having not seen it for weeks and like sketch out everything that happens. Here I'd have to think about it. Um, so there's there's something not quite there that was in the original, but actually in its beats, I don't think I'm going to rank it higher than the first one. I, I don't, but. Actually, from scene to scene, it's arguably stronger in quite a lot of places. But it's, you know, that whole, you know, magical, more more or less than the sum of its parts out hmm. that happens sometimes. It, um, it's a more thoughtful but, film. But yeah. It is, yeah. It's a little uh, bit less than the sum of its parts, because in six weeks' time, I'll remember Kurt Russell, and I'll remember a certain sequence, and I'll remember a lot of the things around Drax and Baby Groot, and I'll forget half of it again. Um, it's just one of those films that just doesn't stick, and I and I I do stand by it, and I've said it once in this show already. But there is something about Guardians where I need new material every time I see them, um, yeah. and that's talking the material. The material's really really good, but it's just never the same when I rewatch it. Whereas some of the more traditional sort of heroes of this universe, I can just watch over and over again. So yeah, it's just just an interesting thing. We've got a few new Guardians this time. Uh, we've got uh, obviously the, the, the sort of film ends with um, Mantis in place. Mm. Uh, I quite liked as a new character. I really like the whole thing going with Drax. Yeah, I was going to say I think just what like um, makes a lot of the Drax stuff work is because just they just bounce off each other because because of, of her. Like, yeah, it, it seems really natural, really organic, mm. doesn't it? Because they both kind of have this both sort of like. She's coming from a place of like almost like naivety, like a like a simple sort of like. She's been completely sort of... sheltered almost, hasn't she? So. Yeah, but he B just has this complete just you know, they just like states the obvious, but they just have like com- this weird kind of um, com- two completely different perspectives, you know, like sort of for to consider her to be hideous and things like that. Well, no, uh, she's got in, she's got inherently terrible self esteem. Yeah. And so hanging around him in the earliest parts of this film is probably not that good for her. No. Because <laughs> he calls it ugly and it's like, oh. Yeah. Don't say that. Yeah, but they're that, like, sort of, I know. That, but that, uh, that's what makes it funny. That's what that, human they're they're that, un, that unself aware that it just kind of just bounces off and it just seems, you know what yeah. I mean? So... Exactly. And, that, and that's why it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm still not sold overly on the Nebula character. I can't, can't, I just can't take to her for some reason. So I would have too cold. Happen. I, I think I sort of think the the whole. I mean, if you're going to give characters something to do, develop them, and all the rest of them, the logical thing was to develop the Nebula Gamora relationship. So I think it makes perfect sense, but I can't warm. It, it had to be here. It's right and proper screenwriting that it is here. But I'm not that interested. But it's a minor point. That's just personal taste. Anything Rooker's brilliant in this. I love, you know, Yondu. Character that annoyed the shit out of me in the first film and was meant to. I guess the other thing we want to say at the outset of this is um, the timing of it. It's set in 2014. There is one and only one reason for that. Do either of you know what it is? Um, go on, inform me. 
Baby Groot. Oh, so, yeah. Sole reason. Get Baby Groot in, into this film. Obviously. Yeah. Well, so obvious you didn't say when I asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is why I said it ironic. This is why I said it in that kind of voice. Like, obviously. It, you know. it, it was one of those things where like, I had to, like, I thought there's got to be some other reason. There's got to be. Yeah. Got, no. Got... Right, no, just, but it, just... that, that, that's what it was. They decided to set it a bit earlier, which also makes a, a continuity error of the Stan Lee cameo because he's referring to when he was a FedEx man, which yeah. is the following year's film. Uh, it's, 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 actually, it's not, is it? Civil War, two years later. That's a good laugh, though. We could look at that and go, I mean, oh, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be continuity. It could be, like, a coincidence, because, like, how long is he... Because the thing with the Stan Lee cameo, I mean, it's meant to, like, hint that it's the same guy, but but that, but that hint could be a joke in itself. That, you know, it's like, oh, right, it's well... Only, it, it's only a little throwaway joke. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. No, no. That's also, it but, has um, big merch implications where everybody know when the film came out, everybody wanted a... First of all, a dancing group at the end of the last film, and everybody wants a baby. What wants the baby group? So extra much who, opportunities. Who, who are these? Everyone. I've People who buy the anyone. Funko Pops. <laughs> I've never met anyone who wanted either of those things. Have you ever seen those like uh, those articles that pop up where like outrage on on Twitter when when something on TV and it like catches like. <laughs> Like who, three, three or four people, and you're thinking, like, yeah. really? Really? <laughs> yeah, oh. Here are some of the tweets, and it'll be <laughs> Tony Johnson from Carlisle. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Angry from Tunbridge Wells, you know. Yeah, Jack, yeah. Jack Pe- Smith from People Kent. on Twitter are furious at such and such when they said. <laughs> <laughs> Angry people. from Amesbury. Oh. Like four it's random like people. Brilliant. Yeah, literally. Yeah. All, point, all, all four points of the. Like, yeah, right, I, okay. I, I can't remember the last conversation I ever had with anyone about, like, apart from on this show, uh, about film memorabilia either. I never go to work and everyone says, got to get me a Sean Connery Funko Pop. It just doesn't come up. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're real mama, I mean, you, I, in, t- in terms of the Funko Pops as well, like, I know people in my friendship group either love them or hate them. And it's just like they are like the marmite of, of toys because they are everywhere. And it's just, it's just one of those things, isn't it? It's like, so. Like oh, I'm never gonna have them, and then obviously they bought a Bond ones, and I'm like ah. <laughs> so the, the thing is though, they they're just collectibles, and people well, like exactly. people do like to collect shit. It's, it's all ephemeral, isn't it? It's all kind of fleeting. So yeah, it's like plastic. It's, 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 it's the same sort of thing as like um, of uh, steel books. It's like there's no reason why you should really sort of get buy in a more expensive, albeit prettier version than a, a regular blu-ray but people just do because it's like a collectible it's like limited editions they date badly though because i used to have a numbered special edition of a star trek first contact vhs oh that's really special well, well I, I never kept it. it might actually be worth something now but what would be the point i'd be moving out every few years and carting that shite around yeah well that's it um, yeah, i'm not the greatest of collectors anyway if i was my gut feeling is i probably wouldn't be collecting funko pops no, but, um, no. <laughs> but what I'm saying is this: this everyone sticker wants sticker box. I've never met anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was kind of meant with a hit and art, hit well, of irony. Not everybody. Obviously, but it's obviously I've got things, my 1986 it? Panini sticker album. <laughs> oh, my Pogs, my Pogs from the 90s. Yeah, there they are. Yeah, go, go in a, go in a school school ground at playtime, and then be like, got, got, need. <laughs> yeah, one, one, got that one. Yeah. If there is any memorabilia created during your forthcoming year as Batman, Becca, um, then we'd happily collect some of that. The crime rate will suddenly go up. 
But more well, so than it, it is now. You shot up under Chris. <laughs> I, I got it under control a few years ago, but there you go. All my good work's been undone. Well, yeah, Brexit ba- might help. You, be, you become uh, Batman in June. I'm not going to probe that comment because it's so inadvertently racist as fuck. But uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, so yeah, the baby group is the main reason for this, the setting of the film. Don't think that makes any real difference, to be honest. It could have been set any time. No. Uh, I, th- I think it makes sense, of course, you got a baby group, then you got teenage group in the, in Avengers, and then presumably in the third he's film, quite funny, he'll, be, he'll be more adult in the, in the third yeah. gut. Assuming. Yeah. Vin Diesel can do his own voice or go, back, <laughs> or go back to having his real voice treated to sound like screen Vin Diesel. Yeah, because we have postulated that might be his real voice. Or just don't bother with the CGI, just get a Vin Diesel and like <laughs> put your <laughs> twigs taped on him. Just, just insert Vin some Diesel. bark to his face. Let's go, there you go. <laughs> Cutting back a bit for this one. Time. But it was all done by motion capture, wasn't it? So you never know, he might appear in real life. Just just like do uh, Bradley Cooper up like he's in like Teen Wolf, but get him to walk on his knees. <laughs> that might be the first time I've mentioned Teen Wolf in an episode. <laughs> wow. Okay, watch out, Michael J. Fox. <laughs> We're coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, at least we know we've mentioned him before, so. Yeah. He survived it that time. He survived. It's okay. We've done it twice. But, but how much longer? <laughs> okay. So apart from that, I don't really remember anything else in the build-up to this. Um, it was, you know, they went away, got make, got started on making a second film, and it, sure enough, in seventeen, it was one of the ones that turned up. I mean, how 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 well did this do? Do we know like how what the? Did... Yeah, worldwide gross of uh, shade under eight hundred and sixty-four million. Which I'm it's just going to check. Typical Marvel. I, yeah, yeah. Is it in terms of? I'm I'm looking to see if that because I've I've got feeling was that was around Thor Ragnarok money and actually it's within 15 million of the same money. Uh, slightly larger budget for this than Thor Ragnarok, but only slightly. Very very similar in profitability, as far as we know. Because obviously, that the caveat with that is always. In what markets did they make the money? What was mm. the distribution deal? You know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, broadly speaking, yeah, there, there's a few of them like that. I'm trying to look. I'm going to just look up Spider-Man: Homecoming because that's. Um, I think that I've got a feeling that did slightly. Yeah, that's it. Did similar as well. They're all within about 30, 30 million of each other this year. So um, uh, obviously, Ant-Man films do a little worse. Avenger films do better. Uh, and a, uh, and then with Black Panther and Captain Marvel, you've got a degree of pent up demand because they are um, slightly serving underserved demographics, frankly. But yeah, uh, in terms of again, without getting too political about it, but with you know, in terms of sort of leads with white men, they all did very very similar this year. So yeah, okay. With that, shall we discuss this film sequentially? Let's do it. Go on then. So we open up with a a CGI young Kurt Russell. Of course we do. What what state is this? Is it Minnesota? Uh, what state it is? Oh, I don't know. Um, I think so. Well, okay, but Kurt Russell is basically looking like he did around the time of you know the thing and all the rest of it. Tidied himself up a bit, but this you is know. quite convincing, isn't it? 
I think so. I think this is very convincing. It's only a handful of shots, so um, it's. Well, they use somebody else's like a face reference, but for, for the most part, the sort of de aging and CG is very convincing. I find. Oh, I think it's spot on. I think they've largely been excellent. Anyway, they, mm. there's very few problems with any of it. Like I say, I've seen one or two where I think that doesn't look exactly like that actor did at that point. The key example for me was. Uh, I've said this before, Michelle Pfeiffer. She's oh, meant to yeah. look, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, she's meant to look like she did not Marry to the Mob, and it's not quite. No, still not quite like there. A, still looks like a younger her, though, so it's fine. Uh, but yeah, this, this looks there. like this looks like Kurt Russell from this era. And uh, he's in love with the woman, the in-betweeners. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're singing. I can't remember what the song is. Oh, it's Brandy by uh, Looking Glass. Right. Yeah, the, the song that song they reference later on. Yeah, so he sort of like shows like this like weird like plant that he's like seeded and he's, like, and then it kind of cuts uh, to the guardians and they're um, fighting a monster trying to protect it from eating a load of batteries. Yeah, they're they're fighting a big yeah they're protecting the batteries of this uh, sovereign race. Yes, uh, and they they have to fight some big fucking well. Massively oversized worm, worm thing, teeth, yeah. It's teeth have teeth. Yeah. Um, and the credits go to Baby Group dancing to, again, Chris, you might have to fill in some of the songs because I keep forgetting what they are. Oh, it's uh, um, ELO, um, uh, Mr. Blue Sky. Right. Which cool. you'll know from. Sun is shining. Sun is shining. What is mine? Yes. Right, okay. Really good, this. Just really good, fun way to sort of introduce us back to them. Yeah, because you got. It, it basically focuses on dancing. Baby Groot, and for, um, for at least for at least three quarters of the scene, yeah, yeah. We don't really care about the battle; we just care about Groot. Well, yeah, but it kind of like every sort of like every of the Guardians like has their interaction with him, like every, and, they, and they're all kind of like in a kind of like looking after the, the child of the family, quote unquote. So all have to like sort of you know. I think. I think the point is not only to introduce us to Baby Group, but also this is just this is a, a standard day's work for them. Yeah, this is just what they do. Even Baby Group's paying very little attention to them because it's just it's what he sees every day of his life. And it's yeah, very standard sort of character work. Uh, you can see uh, Gamora and Peter work together pretty well now. Yeah, the, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a thing where she pulls out a gun. He's like, "You got a gun? I thought your thing was a sword." But okay. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, lots and lots of little lines seeded in all the way through this. Mm. And I just love the fact that, you know, it's just so typical Dax, Drax, that his, uh, his end idea is to just fucking jump inside it and go bananas. Yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> he, and then at the end, he thinks he's won it. And he, of course he <laughs> No, he's like, I've single handedly. No, you haven't. No. And then, of course, they've then got to go, yeah, something a bit Star Wars throw room to this. They go back to sort of meet is it Aisha? Yeah, basically yes. the the head of the, the the sovereign race. The sovereign race who are literally gold. They are golden girls and guys. Oh, always believe in your soul. <laughs> coming you to a te- coming to a teaser you. trailer for our rankings episode in about ten weeks. You've got the power to know you're indestructible. Mm. <laughs> always believe in your soul. <laughs> yeah, so it, copyright territory yeah, here. Yeah, Let's yes, it off. So they're um so they're a race that have uh, basically uh, betrayed uh, Goldfinger. <laughs> every every <laughs> single one of them has betrayed. They've all been painted gold by odd job. 
<laughs> Either that or James Bond has shagged all of them really well. All of well. them, every single one. Really, really well. Call back to a four-year-old episode. They leave a little base of the spine, a little gap at the, we you know, to another century. We during our Goldfinger uh, commentary some years ago now that uh, she wasn't painted gold, just sometimes when he's really on song... James Bond shags so well that they slowly start turning they gold turn afterwards. Gold, really. So that is that is the alternative. Um, I mean, it answers the mystery yeah. like why we don't see him again after the film because obviously they <laughs> they fuck him, they turn gold, and that's it. He, he just sells them for scrap. <laughs> <laughs> he sells them for scrap. Oh that's, yeah. why, that's why he's that's why he can afford all that, that all that, that nice apartment in London with the coffee machine. He's got a nice apartment <laughs> in London. He's got his own DB5. All because, all because he, all, all because he took Halle Berry to cash converters sometime in early two thousand three. I mean, really, he's but he's a prolific serial killer. Really, think about it, James Bond. And, and then, of course, with Halle Berry, because of the way that fin- film finished, when they melted her down, there was a load of fucking diamonds in her arsehole anyway. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, he did well out of that. So, uh, this just lots of little jokes seeded in, and I, it, it feels like a script that's had several passes just to like keep seeding more of that stuff in. So you got Rocket winking with the wrong eye and yeah. stuff, uh, which is funny. It's quite a basic joke, but I think it's funny. Yeah, it's quite clever. Yeah, that's the thing. nothing really feels like. Oh God, here we go again. Like because it, it it does this go like, oh, they get the wrong eye. Like, What's the joke about Aisha wanting to fuck Peter or something? There's something like that, isn't it? I forgot what the actual joke is. Um, I th- I, th- well, I think the joke's more about the fact that he considers it, but then tries to like play cool. Like, <laughs> I, yeah. uh, his relationship all kind of like flirting with um with, with Gamora as well, and it's like oh, so he's trying to you know yeah deflect yeah. sort of flirting with Aisha. He, he, so. he, he, he's, okay, he's trying to impress yeah but then makes then like then he goes oh, actually no that makes me sound like a twat <laughs> yeah just not trying to play it down trying to play it cool first act of this film is really really efficient in terms of setting the story up because they head off now and rocket stolen a load of the batteries yeah oh they also have the uh, nebula as well because that's what they came for they exchanged because they have um they've captured Neb- uh, nebula so they've come to get her who James Bond? Who's James Bond? Exchanged the cash converters in Derby <laughs> in Cheltenham. Yeah, they are immediately pursued by the sovereign race. They've made enemies yeah. instantly, uh, and I think Rocket just thought it was a bit of a caper. Uh, it is like one of as a pot setup, it's a really silly thing to do, but it's kind of very Rocket too, anyway. Yeah, because he's always like there was always the gag that he's got something. He likes just taking stuff. He like he likes taking. Um, people's like you know prosthetic limbs of some sort so he's always got a collection of stuff or things like that that's why he's like you know he always has like a like a load of it, eyes for it, four it, to and... remember the mission yeah yeah it, it's I, kind I just, of just like... he thinks it's funny you know as well he's like yeah but it is it is really really efficiently done though because immediately yondu is hired to pursue them you know what i mean yeah so that that's underway very soon it's not straight away we, we see clash uh, of conflict they're, ch- they're ch- yeah, and the retro feel of the film that they're chased by the sovereign race, but they're mm. playing it like it's fucking Space Invaders or something. Yeah, right yeah, down, they did, yeah cause, well, right because the their race is so kind of highly, high, It's more like being in a simulator or something, but the actual Foley sounds are very Space Invaders. Yeah, it brings out the kind of, even though it's futuristic, there's a, a sort of 80s, 70s, 80s nostalgia attached as well. But yeah, I think because of their high status, they, they do it all remotely. Um, 
and they didn't actually send the pilots out physically they kind of all do it you know by remote, remote control as it were but yeah it just sounds very eager like kind of the 70s 80s kind of bent there with the space invaders style um i, f- I forget the, the name of the, of the other game that i wanted to mention um yeah that kind of the sound to it which is quite nice well i don't know like, if it's like called this like americans would know it's galaga wouldn't they galaga that's the one I don't know if it was called that here because I didn't even get that joke in the Avengers. I had to look it up. <laughs> what is going on? I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't honestly remember it being called that here. But there you go. Um, so where, where do we go now? They are saved by uh, yeah. a guy surf, surf, who looks like he's surfing the back of a spaceship. <laughs> well, well, well and, they get uh, landing. Tr- points out he's really small. Yeah. Or far away. You can't tell from that. <laughs> very, very Ted <laughs> humour there. Yeah. Uh, so yes, yeah, so they they've they've had a crash because they're fighting over controls of it because they're both trying to like pr- prove themselves, both Rocket and um, and uh, Peter. And uh, yeah, they had uh, the guy coming like sort of save from from the last of the droids, and they managed to crash land on on on, uh, on an island somewhere. And yeah, then we get introduced to the, to the guy, and it's Ego. As an action sequence, this is really kind of kinetic. It's really quite well done. Um, and it actually shows under it all they're really brave. They really fucking throw themselves into this. I mean, both Drax and Gamora take quite a pounding during this sequence, and not in mm. the fun, let's experiment way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Drax really like, sort of just throws stuff in there. Would we also get introduced to like kind of like the bubble astronaut suit? Uh, that will pay off at the very end of the film. The more the more we're talking through this, even this early in the film, the sharper the writing is sounding in my head. Yeah. Because everything has a payoff, everything kind of is... Everything has a payoff, and when you think how strong Act 3 is, then, yeah, that that's a very, very tight film. I mean, like, I mean yeah, because even something like, like 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 that bubble suit, it's like you have to establish it, you know, but you could easily just, like, just throw it on and people would understand it on first glimpse. But it's good to introduce it because it does make it tighter. Um, and where were we? So, yeah, if we get introduced to uh, Ego... Um, well, you know, and that that happens as you know they're kind of there's a rift between the guardians because they're they're fighting over like why they crashed and things like that. And they're, they're basically sort of both Peter and Rocket are be both being reckless. Um, uh, it's the one thing I found a bit contrived. That just seems to be a repeating theme that they squabble a bit. So it, it did that that did feel a bit sort of squabbling here. Yeah, but no big deal. It's all right. The yeah. whole sequence, the sequence as a whole, plays really, really well. Yeah, I mean, I th- yeah, I get what you mean. It was one sort of little minor blip on, and otherwise, well, yeah, really it's, good it's still it still made sense to a degree because we haven't had anything, we had any anything come, you know, any resolution with them to an extent, really, have we? I mean, we we see them come together as a as a group of people in the in the the last film, but we haven't actually sort of had any sort of personal kind of. Like, oh, you're right. We or... don't know. We they haven't been around each other that long to yeah. know what their dynamic would be on a standard day, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, where we up to? Yeah. So we, we cut to the uh, the sexy robot club planet. Sexy <laughs> robot club. As as ego told Peter who he is yet, or is that after sexy robot? That, club? That's that's after. So so yeah, where we get introduced so to Yondu. First we, so first we've got you no. Know, Yondu fucking a toaster or whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> he did something, something with the robot. Yeah, we've got Yondu. Yondu's just like 
fucked a mournful looking toaster and um, <laughs> and yeah we get it's, yeah we get introduced to Sly even off camera I mean that's it's, it's great I totally forgot I remember going to see this and then it, I was like it, it's there. Like... Uh, you can see, like you hear him before you see him. It's like that's 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 definitely know. Sly. One of the few actors in the world that doesn't need to be on screen to have screen presence. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, he's always like, yeah, oh, yeah. I still need the subtitles though. <laughs> well, you would from what Chris just said then. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 and basically, we we get told a reason that he is essentially he's essentially kicked out of like the club. Basically, there's like a, like a code of honor with the um, uh, the it's Ravenger, isn't it? They're like they're like a uh... yeah they're they yeah they are they're all Ravagers, yeah yeah and yeah. he's and he's off at the end as well. There, there's a code of conduct because there's basically a um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a protocol for everything. I mean, yeah. even funerals. That are done a certain way, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, so there's like there's almost like an honor, like honor, honor amongst thieves, so we say in in if the, with this set of group. But basically, that we set up the fact that he did something that was unforgivable, and I don't know Sly's like only in like what a couple of scenes, and I think in the first scene off the bat, he he only gets like one job to do, but he's still like. Sells the sells like of someone who's actually generally hurt by someone. It's like it gives me no like he, he, you give me no pleasure. This gives me no pleasure to do this. But yeah. you know, and it's like everything's like uh, selling really well. And it, it it is to do with it is it's all to do with Peter as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, which actually, what what Yondu did all those years ago, has absolutely alienated him from his community. Yeah, and we learn at the end that community only really have each other, so it it is all sort of weight to what is coming. So yeah. it's it's really good, but I mean, again, on first view, and I didn't really know what you know. I thought Sly turns up and then he fucks off again, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's fine, we'll let him off. Yeah. So uh, meanwhile, you have like sort of whispers of like you know Taserface whispering, like sort of say, oh, he's, you know, he's he's weak, you know, he's like, oh. You know, What's he done for us, kind of thing? Um, so you, you get introduced to that uh, earlier on, but then uh, you have the we we have the the sovereign come down and and they sort of basically just offer him a job to take the guardians, and then and then we cut back to the planet where they're sitting around the campfire, like talking to ego. Sort of, in, yeah. He does reveal who he is, um, and. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? I'm trying. I'm trying to try and remember now. Yeah, um, he doesn't. He doesn't flesh out the story until they get home. Yes. Or back to back to planet. But at this stage, he's you know I I'm your father and I've been looking for you. Yeah, he, he explains that how John do to to basically sort of bring him back, but he ends up kept keeping you for. And of course, at this stage, Yondu was the guy who made Peter thieve and threatened to eat him, and basically behaved like, you know, they've all behaved like a bunch of hicks that didn't make it feel Mm. a particularly welcoming environment. So at this point, that all plays with what we know. But yeah, yeah, they head off to Ego's own planet. Yeah, uh, they leave Rocket. Rocket and Groot stay to remain uh, to repair the ship. There's a great sort of set piece around Rocket coming up in a little bit. There was yeah, because before that, Gamora does. Basically, convince 
Peter to actually go with him because he to to go with Ego because like look you know you know you sort of you, you like the kind of that hint that I th- there's a line of dialogue which which kind of like sort of hints that maybe suggests that possibly in in terms of the father relationship with Yondu or that there's like kind of like we well, well he wasn't your father he he was or Peter says oh he's kind of like my father he's like oh there was my yeah. only fa- like the only the, the only father figure I had was Yondu. Yondu. But, he, yeah. but, he, but he said that in a kind of like, you know, in a kind of like, well, that wasn't what that was. Look, what, look, look what I was left with. Yeah, kind of kind of thing. Um, so, that, so on, and this is on the third viewing, I thought, so they're even telegraphing this <laughs> from, from on this stage. But anyway, um, yeah, we get, get, got on the ship, get introduced to, uh, to Mattis, who can read people's emotions. Um she can read people's emotions if she touches you, and those sort of antennas she's got can be sort of pointed at you to, to change your mood briefly, because mm. she does induce fear in Gamora very briefly and very subtly later. Leading, I think, while they're on the way, it's while on the way to the planet, isn't it? She reads their mind, isn't it? Or is it after they get to the planet? I uh, can't remember. They're in the, that room. The, yeah, it's the, in all the trailers. It's, it's really yeah, funny. The, the one, the thing where basically sort of like she touches Peter and she's sort of like, you have sexual feelings and point for her and points at Gamora and then Drax and just... you're in love yeah well I'm a generally loving guy no no these are no, romantic sexual feelings for her <laughs> he's like you really should do his oh, no. secrets and then Drax laughs his ass off which is in all the trailers and it really plays it's so yeah. funny do me do me yeah yeah <laughs> oh, oh there, there was yeah there was a scene that you maybe laugh there's like the scene early one where like where, where Rocket like sort of like ripping the speed saying like yeah I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll leave a turd on your pillow and it'll be Drax's and Drax just like cracks like I have you monkers turds <laughs> just just things like that <laughs> you know yeah, wh- yeah whenever Drax laughs you always end up laughing for whatever reason anyway <laughs> you do that's true yeah the thing is the guy underneath it all's got quite a tragic background so when he forgets himself and laughs it's like yeah. a pure expression of joy. <laughs> that's pretty cool uh, yeah so uh, well yeah so uh, Gamora does not want to be touched we know that yeah. and then, and then very uh, threatening yes yeah, very threatening when she does then where do we go I suppose Ego starts showing them around and all the rest of it starts explaining um, starts explaining where this planet came from it's him the planet is him the body's just an expression of him. Mm. He seemed to start life as a floating brain, effectively a fo- floating consciousness, which they represent as a brain. And then over years, he has built layer upon layer of it until it became that planet. And then he's formed the sort of body afterwards and then gone out searching the galaxy for life. He, he you know, he, he, he created a human as best he understood it and used that human to go out and find life. And it's just got examples of him, you know, and then he tells the story with, you know, these... He's a, he can actually manipulate matter, so he just creates, effectively, models of mm. himself, like dating Peter's mother. Yeah, which is actually really cool visual. I like that. Drax asks him if he's got a penis. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the answer is, yeah. Well, we've all, seen, uh, we've all seen Kurt Russell's thing, haven't we? If you think about it, oh, of course, nineteen eighty-two film, <laughs> quite literally, <laughs> which has dropped on Netflix to date, folks. I've just noticed. Well, oh, really? well, if you've Stop. not seen it, 
go and watch it because it's probably one of the best horror films that it's made, in my opinion. Don't bother with the remake. Check in with the original. Even no, I enjoyed it. No, no, don't check in with the original. That's the thing from another Well, world. no, no, not the original, but, but the Kurt Russell film. The, the original so, remake. The, the, yeah. <laughs> not, 1982, John. Not the recent remake, the 1982 film. film. Obviously, the 50s one, if, if you're a real horror aficionado, maybe. No, what, but yeah, check in the, the Kurt Russell version, not yeah, the modern and, remake. And, and actually, I will say this, you know, the John Carpenter thing is that's <laughs> how, that's how you do a remake. Well, it is literally. It's in, you know, remakes generally get tarred with the same brush, and the the consensus is generally they can be rubbish. But this is one of the best remakes, yeah. not just in the horror genre, but ever. Well, yeah. You, well, well, the ideal version of remake is you sort of you take the central premise and you just make your own, do your own thing with it. You see, you sort of take Ocean's, the basic... Ocean's, Ocean's Eleven's a cracking example. Mm, where they took a they took a film that wasn't that good in the first place and made it amazing. Took, took the basic premise and then just did their own thing with it. Yeah, mm. that's exactly But got a little bit of Rat Pack cool into it as well. Yeah, yeah, really worked. Um, the thing is a very similar principle. It just takes the basic idea and then just does its own thing with it. Mm. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, the 2011 remake is um, is just a remake. It's perfectly serviceable, but a prequel has done, remake. Has, yeah, because at the start of the thing, they pick up this dog running away from like a, a Norwegian, I think it is, camp that's like just across the way. And the 19, 2011 film tells the story of that camp. Well, A, you didn't need it. The things they found in that camp in the 1982 film, you never thought, I wonder how that happened particularly. But secondly, one of the things I'm, I'm, I've always been a CG defender on the show. Anyone who's like listened to it for a long time will realise I just think it's it's almost lazy nostalgia to talk differently. But if there is if there's one film that really bucks that trend in my mind, it's the thing. A lot of what makes it great is the invention in the practical effects. And doing a CG version of it might be cleaner, but it's just nowhere near as special. Uh, but yeah, the thing's a great film, and it's just a complete study of complete distrust. It's like it's like Alien mixed with Reservoir Dogs, but and set in the ice. It's great. Yeah, it is brilliant. And 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 you know, obviously, when you talk CGI, the practical effects and that are really good, especially. Yeah, really spot on, aren't they? In terms of like the body horror, yeah, I mean, they, well, they, they, feel, they feel very stop motion, but they're just so inventive. Mm. Is it really um, groundbreaking as well? Yeah. So very uh, innovative really for the time. Cast. So yeah, it's really great. So. In summary, Kurt Russell has a penis. <laughs> In summary, go and watch the thing. You won't regret We've it. We've all seen Kurt Russell's thing. Anyway. Uh, yes, we have. Well done. So, oh, yeah, um, it's a good joke. And, it, and, and I love he goes, dude, I don't want to think of my mum and dad like that. He says, my father would have often regaled my... With the tale of how he impregnated my mother. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Well... Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Oh, anyway, yeah. So, so yeah, it comes clear. Ego is effectively a celestial. He's he's a god, not the god, but he's a god. Um, has manipulated matter around that base consciousness. Uh, no, it's not quite clear. Is it? Exp- he's asked. He is asked why he left Quill's mother, and I cannot remember for the life of me what the answer to that was. At this point, you know the real answer, but what yeah. was? What did he say? Uh, I think I think the answer is because I it, fucked her on board. <laughs> no, no, it's because like he can't spend too long away because he does have to. Because like it's like if he stays too 
too far the away body from... starts to break down yeah the planet kind of starts the, yeah, to dissolve like the light... it, a little bit so you have to kind of keep on coming back yeah it's like the the, the light fades and i and i'll lose you know so it, it it is along those lines that that's the answer he gives at the time um so we're back on the the other planet the you know endor and um yeah you got the, the rest of them um rocket um grew and um nebula they're they're hanging out at the, in the broken ship and the the ravengers start sneaking in yeah start sneaking in to capture them this is a pretty good set piece yeah rocket's just completely ready for them he set trap after trap and is surprisingly agile um it just it, it, to cut a long story short, it's multiple examples of them being tasered, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, but that yeah. doesn't do it, Jen. It doesn't do it justice. It's a really good scene. Yeah, you got like sort of gravity kind of thing, which sort of like makes them sort of like fly back on the air, up and which down. Which is actually down. a brilliant visual when it cuts yeah. to the outside of the forest, and all you see is two groups of them yeah. being fired to the sky alternately yeah. and repeatedly. So yeah, so he does that kind of, with kind of like at ease, kind of enjoying himself until um, he, he get the the arrow sort of pointing at his head from uh, Yondu, yeah, ca- catching him. Yeah, and uh, and then Nebula basically. Uh, yeah, well the yes well. because that's when they because he he decides because because he says well fine we'll just take the batteries then and then. The rest of the, that that turns the mutiny because they what they put no 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 every time you always like sort of stick up for Peter, you know, you care about him more. They were going to take the batteries and sell them for like a quarter. Yeah, they're not over bright either because he, he can get like a million for them. Yeah, and he he says to sell them for two hundred and fifty thousand, and someone goes, but that's a third. <laughs> that's a third. <laughs> they're a bit special. Uh, yeah. Um, Maybe they have yeah, a scope so- there. All hints that are hiding in plain sight. Yondu is protecting Peter all the way through this. He took the yeah, job. Yeah, he's, he's in like order the figure, really, isn't he? He took the job so the job wouldn't get done. Simple as that. One of yeah, the other just to save him. They'll capture Peter. Yondu is already like broken from that group. He's already not trusted. An outsider. Him fucking up another case isn't going to like make anything any worse. And actually, he might as well make a bit of money out of it. Yeah. It's really great, actually. That's what there's good when you think about it. So yeah, so yeah, you, as you say, we like get have the the mutiny sort of like happens, and then uh, Nebula kind of like shoots the the arrow thing off off his head, which kind of is it. This point is it. This point, Gamora and Nebula find all the sort of remains. No, that, that this happens later on. That yeah, that that happens. There's a bit more of like the more oh, we, stuff. Oh, hang on, haven't we? We got we got Quill playing with his dad first. Yeah, so we kind of like sort of they, they basically play catch, don't they? He sort of he starts introducing to the powers, so we sort of like introduce him to the idea that he can sort of harvest, harvest energy, and uh, yeah, and Peter like kind of makes like a little light ball, and they have like a a father and son game of catch because obviously he's never. Yeah. Done that before. And the nice yeah, thing yeah, yeah, is the, the the little ball he creates is clearly perfect because he's inexperienced. Mm. So Kurt Russell takes it and pats it down like it's a snowball. Yeah. Mm. Just like tidies it up a bit and then throws it back and they have a game of catch. That's lovely, isn't it? I just think that's such a nice scene. Well, yeah, but it's it's such like a 
thematic thing because like it's father and son, so it was like obviously you know playing the one thing. They missed childhood. They, yeah. they missed childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Because because Peter is technically he's still kind of like child minded because he's never technically grown up because he's never really yeah. had a quote unquote. No, isn't he's kind of missed out on that on that side of his childhood really, hasn't yeah. he? So. Because he, yeah, for, I mean, he's still kind of like invested development almost because he was taken from Earth as a kid and hasn't really, yeah, grown up properly. Um, so yeah, so he's there's reference that we get back on the ship, I, I believe, when uh, we're basically sort of they just killed half the fucking crew, or basically they just launched them all out to space. Um, horrible bastards. Yeah, and this is the whole taser, taser face yeah. thing, which Rocket laughs his ass off at, which is funny, laughing at the idea this guy has called himself Taser Face. <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny name. Yeah, but again, yeah. That, that's 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 um, a gag that doesn't really get old, either. <laughs> Even when it kind of like get reaches penultimate. You could have Rocket do something like that in the first film. We had the whole "that's a fake laugh" joke in the first film. Yeah, mm. and it's the same. It's the same comedy beat. It's actually done a slightly better here, if anything. Um, you could play a version of that in each film, and I don't know that it would get that tired. It would just be a little character tick. Yeah, but yeah, also I think it also is a bit more to like his personality of like I don't care. I just like ripping on people. It doesn't matter what position I'm in. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm 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 just I'm just gonna say what the fuck I want just to get at you. I think it's also the experience to know that whatever's going to happen to him is going to happen to him here. Yeah, you know, saying a few like insulting things won't really change that. So might as well get your money's worth. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh well, fuck it. Yeah, kind of like me at the end of relationships. (laughs) Oh well, I'll fuck this up anyway now. Oh, Dave. Uh, No, actually, actually, like a real fucking like, uh, like uh, what's the word? Like a little fucking energy ripple went through me then because that's genuinely happened a couple of times. Oh Christ! Yeah. Anyway, you, uh, you're, you're probably not the only one. <laughs> I think. I think. Oh, I think. I think a lot. Alone. I think a lot of people can relate to that to some some degree or another. Um, so yeah. Fuck, so let's really fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have got. So does he present his plan at this point as well? Doesn't he? Ego. To no, Peter. No, because. I don't think so. I think there's a bit more of a. I think there's a bit more stuff going on in on on the with the mutiny because you have uh, Rocket and Yardi locked up in a cell and they're like sort of. Oh, that's right. Yondu has that kind of you know whatever you want mm. to call it the mohawk yeah. bit kind of blown off, which is clearly part of his his abilities, particularly with that arrow. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, right. Nebula goes off. He sort of basically she trays off of a for a ship and then jets off to to basically sort of get at Gamora because that's basically what all, all she all she wants to do. And where, where are we up to now? Uh, we have a bit more of a, a Drax and Mattis, um, and they kind of like have a bit of a a bonding session, but then Gamora interrupts because I think um, Mattis Ma- Mattis Mantis is about Mantis. Mat- Mantis is about to tell Drax something. Drax is sat there as, again. It's just one of those bits of the film where I was thinking, like, almost every scene has some decent humour in it. Yeah. Because Drax is basically telling her how hideous she is. Mm. 
but he doesn't mean any offence. I mean, in the abstract, listening to this, if you've not seen the film, it sounds like Drax is fucking bullying her or something. And he's really not. It's it's absolutely nothing like that. And in fact, later in the film, he gags. And when she says, what are you doing? I'm thinking of being with you physically. You know, he's even having sexual imaginings on that make him uneasy. Uh, but she is clearly about to tell him she's unsettled about what she knows what ego is. And she can't quite tell him. And then she's about to. They clearly have a bond. And then Gamora turns up just as she's about to. And it, there is a hint to the audience there's something being hidden here. Yeah. Um, it's like she was like trusting Drax, but couldn't try trust Gamora for some reason. And then she kind of like, she kind of scared her off to an extent. Um, so, yeah, y- uh, Yondu and Rocket uh, plan to escape where we have. Uh, them sort of teasing with uh, group, well, not teasing group, but trying to like get group to get the other. Um, what was that, what's that? What's that thing called? Where he puts on his head that detects the arrow. I don't know. I don't know what it's called, but they need to go and get one of his other yeah. ones. And he and he comes back for all sorts. Like comes back with a toe. Yeah, and it, it's a really old joke in terms of like cinema, but it's funny as well. Where he opens a drawer, sees exactly what he's looking for reverses back to his face and you see him pull out like fucking shoe polish or something <laughs> it, it's just yeah I've, I've seen yeah. jokes like that I've seen jokes like that in Only Fools and Horses you know Rod- Rodney reaching over a fucking gun to pick up some cigarettes or something in a in a like bank robbery episode and things like that so yeah the joke's been done before but it's done really well um, yeah you have like a toe and rockets like please tell me you got like a fridge with extra di- spare digits and like Nope. Okay. Well, we'll just pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah. So eventually, they they manage to get the arrow, and then um, yeah, they they basically sort of kill all the mutants and then escape with a rocket. They they have like the end gag with Taserface trying to like signal signal their whereabouts or like to track it to yeah. the sovereign and sort of like tell tell him it was. It was at the hands of Taserface, and they got them kind of snigger at it as well. Just, just, just <laughs> uh, see, yeah. So again, do... how could James Gunn's tweets be that unfunny when he's this funny? <laughs> you know what I mean. Anyway, carry on. It improves a lot in the in between, you know, in the intervening years. Presumably, anyway. Uh, so next we have um, Gamora and Quill have a fight essentially or Gamora tries to warn him and now Peter's now a bit well hang on I'm kind of liking it here now you convinced me to come here so why are you now, you, now you're telling me to I should be wary of the, wary of my dad uh, so they have like they have like a bit of a of a of an upset it's a little bit of instant no, no pun intended but it's a little bit of instant ego in him as well mm. He's just learned he's actually quite powerful. Yeah. And suddenly he's kind of a little bit disrespectful to her. It's a bit of a nothing scene, really. But again, it's it's supposed to seed in the audience the idea that when what we're about to find out is revealed, Quill might just go with him. Yeah. Uh, it it uh, of all the plus it makes the, sense. The... It does make sense as well. Uh, yeah, you know, that's 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 the other yeah, thing. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, so uh, we have a bit. Then we have then yeah, Gamora goes off, and then we have Nebula flying, and they have that big sisterly fight, which is uh... 
two sisters, so I'm just watching. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, lads. But... I was just quoting the office. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, just just watching. Um... <laughs> uh, we have like uh, the brandy scene, which is which we have a replay of the uh, the song brandy, where um, ego sort of talks talks through like he he comes in and and Peter's got the song and he's sort of oh oh that's uh, Brandy by the band uh, Looking Glass it's like oh do you know what it's probably one of the finest songs ever composed and he kind of relates it to kind of how he is you know with like you know with like Sailor go, going off basically trying to like you know entice Peter sort of explain like, basically you know he is a, yeah but Sailor do you say that's going port to port in it which yeah. is what's coming <laughs> which is what is coming <laughs> <laughs> basically, it's a be- it's a wonderful visual of basically a model of Kurt Russell, <laughs> like making out with every conceivable. Yeah, shape. yeah. I, mean, I like the idea that he didn't actually change his appearance to match theirs. Is he like got Kurt Russell like eighties Kurt Russell making out with a big te- with tentacle day? <laughs> like. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, is kind of almost the implication because he. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because he did. He did pick a shape he thought would suit Peter. So no, yeah, he could transform. Yes, but uh, so it's funny. It's funny as a it, visual though. <laughs> yeah, same coat and everything. Never even changes his clothes. Yeah, it does what? look a little bit like mm, this is. But every, every planet he goes to has exactly the same climate mm. as well. <laughs> it doesn't get too hot or too cold. It's funny because they go back into these rooms later, and and all of those models are like still there. Because originally I thought it was a bit like Man of Steel, where where um, Jorel is explaining to Kalel with all this kind of manipulable kind of liquid metal almost, where where you form the shapes, it shows you something, and then it disappears. But no, everything he's creating to prove it just stays there. He's he's got a room of now of all these models of him doing aliens. So yeah, it's it's um it's got. I keep mentioning it, but it has to be around here. They find the um yeah they find the bodies. Tr- yeah, yeah. It 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 is wild. This because like beyond beyond what he kind of like explains to Peter that you know, you know, you are bigger than everyone else. So it's like you know, you you do not belong with a standardized life. Yeah. And yeah, they kind of find the bodies and they go, oh, we need yeah. to get off this planet. Yeah. Well, then... those bodies, those bodies are the offspring from all the other mm. people he's impregnated around the galaxies, yeah. or galaxy, or galaxies, whichever. Um, and he would get Yondu to collect them, and then when it turned out they had no celestial abilities, whatever, he would ca- he would have them killed or kill them himself. Yeah. Um, and Quill is the only one showing power. And when you watch the film a second time. That's why he celebrates so hard when Quill is able to make that sort of energy mm. bubble. So yeah, he, he's been looking for this for like decades or longer. And yeah, so, and he touches him on, on the forehead that that sort of like that almost like hypnotizes him for this kind of energy and power that like kind of when, when he's like when he's you know he's telling him the story. He's tell, he, yeah, he's telling the fact that you know he's like oh we well, you know well you know. I promise, I promise, I promise you I'll do that. Like I wouldn't hurt him, and I'm telling that should never felt a thing. But and, and that and, plant, yeah. he, that plant, he um, 
put on Earth at the start, he's been putting them on all the planets. Mm. And it will eventually... It's a piece of him. Yes. And it will basically consume every word that he will become omnipresent, really. That all these worlds will become him. Yes. That's the idea. Uh, why but Quill? He, I don't know why he needs Quill for this. Because he, uh, he says it, it's something for whatever reason. He even says for whatever reason. I, I need more power, so that's not, not just writing. me on my lonesome I can't do, but... It's it's not a lazy plot, but that's lazy writing. The, the for some reason argument. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I, can't, I can't remember if that was actually words he used. Okay. But it, but it's done in that Kurt Russell kind of like, yeah, whatever, kind of, kind of like, I'm yeah. just going to explain it matter of fact. to do that, he's the right one, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, and he finds out... Uh, he admits it. It's, he says it broke his heart to put that tumor in yeah. Meredith's head. Which, so which, he, which kind of what breaks Peter from it. He's, he he goes like what, and then he starts shooting. I, I can't him down. believe. Yeah, well, it shows his lack of uh, understanding of humanity. That I think he thought Peter would be all right with that. Yeah. Oh, which yeah. Just, despite all this, he does have that kind of fundamental lacking. He. Really, yeah. He, I, I mean, that's his flaw. Like uh, you know. Because uh, he is, he is well, he is a god called Ego, essentially. Yes, obviously, so he's very much like he could spend hours. It, we 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 can confirm it, but we are imagining he never had a milk ground. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, but it's that kind of that thing. I mean, we, we, you know, you no, know, we get we get towards the end, and it's the um, when where where he kind of like when he's trying to like sort of plead with Peter not to like. Destroy this, otherwise you you you'd have no power. You'd, you'd just be human. You'd be like, well, be, what's wrong with you'll that? Be just like, you'll just like you'll be just like them. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, but he looks like I can't even comprehend that. I you know, and that's the thing. He does not understand because he comes from that sort of I I am an ominous god. Why? Well, there, there's nothing more to, than me. You know, you know, nothing else really matters beyond me. You know, I'm you know, I'm, I'm ego. Um, so that, that's that's basically what it is. It, it's just well, it makes sense within his character to be like that. Um, and plus, also he's he's kind of in a trance anyway, so he's a bit like kind of bit because um, he he does casually say, "I've just killed loads of fucking my offspring." <laughs> but um, yeah, but it's when he when he admits that he, he put the tumor that like strikes a chord with him, and he uh, and he, and he snaps out of it, and then. But he thought it was a bonding moment. Oh, it broke mm. my heart. Like you must understand, because yeah. you lost her too. Yeah, in a yeah. kind of because yeah, she just say like I did generally love her, but I knew if I came back, I won't be able to leave. So yeah, he, he, he killed her. He killed her to disengage. Which is from her. which kind of backs up the point the fact that he he was like so kind of like hang on no this that would be like being a human. No, I can't. You know this this can't be. So he destroyed he destroyed the thing he loved to remain who he is. Um. Which is, which is kind of deep, um, yeah. So yeah, but so basically he goes, Peter snaps out of it, says like, "Well, I don't want any part of this shit. You killed my mum, you brick," and uh, he says, "Fine, well, I'll just use it as, as a battery." And then that's when like the, the guardians come in. Uh, they, they yeah, snap. we do see around the sort of galaxy as as all these plants start to consume. Mm. So. It feels a bit of an odd non sequitur just because of the the palette of the film, but we suddenly see Earth and it looks odd to see Earth in one of these films. But um, yeah, yeah uh, outside of like an opening sequence in the first one or something. But yeah, they are starting to consume, 
the earth and it, we can see it will kill people in fact we do see it kill people yeah it always does frustrate me though when, when you see that like happening happening around all, all different places and you sort of like yeah hurry up get trying to get out of that fucking thing because people are dying now <laughs> um yeah but yeah y- yeah so it's always important to see them i've talked so many times about mm. the abstract millions killed do you know what i mean yeah i know we only see a handful but it's helpful yeah, and, it, and it's happening on a number, number of the planets, so we keep cutting back and forward. It's, you know, and it's growing fast, but not like on a huge rate. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. give it. It's fast enough if you're close to it, but it would take a while to consume the whole Earth. Yeah. I, I, Manta, at the same time, Mantis does tell Drac. Drac's everything. Yes, this is like, yeah, this is what the, when they, they crash in with the. Because they found the bodies, um, and. Basically, they they go to get Peter, so they 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 crash in, they they use the uh, I think they use the spaceship, but don't they to crash into the room, don't they? And they do. I, they I'm crash not... into because when he when he forms, he becomes um, David Hasselhoff briefly. Yeah, <laughs> I tried to be a form that would be pleasing to you, and it's the Hoff. Yeah, because that's another running joke in the film. He made up stories when he was younger about him being his dad. Yeah. And and the thing is, Gamora remembers those strong. Those, she's obviously told Gamora those stories, and Gamora misremembers them. Yeah. So Did, didn't you have told, like a magic boat or something? It wasn't a boat; it was a magic car. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> magic car. So yeah, he's basically told her the story of Night Rider. Rider, which I'm not sure was running when he. Oh no, he left Earth in the late '80s, didn't mm. he? Yes, he would have seen Knight Rider. So, yeah, it's kind of thing like like he did like the tale of Flashdance, like one of the greatest series. But yeah, Kevin Bacon. Yeah. That's the story of Flashdance. Yeah, which, which which is a gag that even goes into Avengers in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is with him and Spidey. Uh, yeah, what is it still the greatest movie ever made or something? It's like it, it, it never was. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually means, but that, that the, the implication there is uh, Parker's already matured beyond Peter Quill. Well, no, well, I, I think it's, it's kind of a bit, well, kind of, but in a, in a way that he comes from a time where he's younger, so he comes from a thing where it's not that well revered. Whereas, like when yeah, when, yeah, 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 yeah no, when... I, pre- I, I appreciate that, but obviously, had Quill stayed on Earth and lived a normal life, he probably would have outgrown Flashdance as well. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah. Um, so... And we're kind of in Act Three now. The whole point seems to be they need to they need to destroy that brain. Uh, at the same time, they are under attack from the Sovereign. Yeah. Um, bomb rockets made a bomb that Groot needs to set off. That was in all the trailers as well, or little teasers yeah. where Baby Groot misunderstands what he has to press. So you wonder if he's going to set the bomb off by fucking accident yeah. when they're all stood right beside it or something. Mantis's role is to try to keep um, to, ego to asleep, call, uh, keep him asleep, or at least set him off to sleep at some point. Who else? What else? I don't know what else their roles are. Quill will directly fight Ego go, because at the moment they have the same powers, mm-hmm. and I think the rest of them just need to escape effectively. And uh, Yondu's, there, and yeah, Yondu's there as well. Yeah, and. Oh, and in, ter- in terms of last acts go, uh, you know, as you mentioned, like the shooting up in the sky, this kind of works, but it still is like an emotional, per- like personal element. It's still telling the story. <laughs> You're still getting characters interact and having 
certain character moments. I don't know. I don't know what how they you have feel character about this. moments, and they. I I would say, and I'd like to hear Becca's point of view, but I I I would say personally, on first viewing, it worked terrifically because it payoff of everything we've seen yeah they all had something to do um it was unique in terms of its visual and what they're trying to do because they're effectively inside ego yeah they're, they're uh, without meaning to sound crude at all they're inside the, the guy if you like at, in his planetary form yeah they're they've, kind of inside they've, they've his, his mind i guess aren't they, i suppose egos you know peter is about to be an orphan if this works do you know what i mean um so there's an element of that a, ma- a man child a guy who's never grown up now has to kill a roommate as slay his father uh the group stuff it has is profound really psychological implications it's all great the only thing i would say is on on second or third or whatever it is viewing today it plays too long Act yeah, three I say that, that would be kind of long. like my only problem with this one with this this scene i mean it's done really really well it's set up brilliantly but it does begin to sag a little bit and that would probably be like my my main my main gripe my main complaint really definitely i don't have that critique of the film as a whole but I certainly think Act Three is just a, a uh, yeah. Bit too long. The scene is just a little bit. It's just a little bit baggy. But apart from that, I earned, have no other major problems with it. But it, it it knocks. I don't think it's necessarily better than the first film. It doesn't have the freshness. It does, it's not as memorable. All of those things I said at the top of the show. But you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is like two thirds of an outstanding film, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is a complete, very good film. Um. So at three lands, it's just too long. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's it fair enough. Had too long. The, I fact really that, agree. the fact that it lands works, though. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, oh yeah, it still pulls so it off. So few of these films do. Particularly as it does descend into water wall action for the last, you know, mm. part of the film. I mean, comparing it to, I know we haven't released it yet to, to listeners or anything, but obviously we've already recorded um, Captain Marvel, and and actually, the, although that had a very action heavy third act, as most of these do it seeded action all the way through it and sort of interjected into that action a lot more this is actually wall-to-wall action most of the way through so it, it traditionally i'd switch off to this and I, I thought it did a good job yeah I, I think i think reason why this works more because it is it feels very much more personal uh and you're invested with the characters as they're off doing their thing you, yeah. you're very and, much... and of course as he's fighting his father it was twee but it's true as he's fighting his father he realises his, his dad's actually stood right next to him yeah yeah exactly yeah well it's like you know as somebody says you know who's your, who's your father but he's not your dad for example I think I think there's a there's almost like a, a, a beauty when you kind of when you hit it all in one moment um, like you know it's not sort of done in parts like it's that realisation realisation of a character who's like Oh my god! Yeah, when they talk about it, he says, "But you were you were going to eat me while I was being funny, <laughs> you know." And it was like, "No, I, I I was supposed to bring you to him, and I didn't because yeah. I saw what he was doing." But you know, he says something to him like, "If I hadn't been such a skinny runt or so or so little or whatever," and he said, "That ain't why I kept you." Yeah, and I just I think that's lovely, and it was funny. It's not as funny on rewatch, but there was a big laugh first time. I'm Mary Poppins, you're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. but it, it, it's, 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 it's not. It's, it's the fact that he, said, he says he, you look like Mary Poppins. He said, "Is he cool?" <laughs> he said, "Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Mary Poppins, y'all." <laughs> uh, that was it. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so they fight off the rest of the, the sovereign drones, and um, then the ego wakes up and kind of 
and he basically just overpowers everyone. So Peter Hannah has to find it in himself to fight away from it, and yeah. then. Um, and so it's uh, it, it's big it's big stone man versus Pac Man. Yes, that was a, that got a big laugh on on, on cinema release as well. Yeah. Because because he did say he's I'm gonna make some weird shit, I'm gonna like make a Pac Man and he did ends up doing it. <laughs> yes, he said that earlier when he was first because they, they can create anything really. Yeah. Uh and so yeah, at the same time, um yeah, you've just got the trying to set the bomb off in baby Groot and all the rest of it, which they do. Quill really should be should be killed in all of this, but Yondu is still around. And Yondu basically puts the suit that was seeded earlier on on him, the sort of bubble suit. And takes him up into takes him up into space, where mm. basically he dies because Peter has got the only sort of protection from the the, or the lack of elements yeah. up there. So Yondu mm. sacrifices himself for his boy. Yeah, said like yeah. Oh, so he's um, yeah. He may have been father, but he wasn't your daddy. That's it. Yeah, yeah it's your father, but he wasn't your dad. Um, um, we get the big we get the big funeral. And yeah, again we have like a throwback to a bit of Night Rider, uh, bit of a personal thing, because you haven't mentioned the, the connection with Rocket, really, where he, they, him and Rocket and um, Yondu have a have a connection, because they they kind of come from similar backgrounds. They come from abuse. Yeah. Um, Actually, in the first film, that's hinted at, because we see Rocket without any top on, and he's mm. clearly scarred up. And he's been experimented on. There's some kind of implants or something in him. People who know the Guardians better would would know this, but I'm talking about what's presented in the film and against that, what I can remember. Um, yeah. So he, he, he humanizes himself to more than just Peter. Yeah. Because yeah. they both come like from a world of pain, and he used that kind of like flippancy, almost like disconnect. So they they piss everyone off because that they're used to it, or that you know they kind of like. Um, it, it's almost in a way to kind of like push everyone else away so they don't get hurt, which is kind of yeah. And, and yeah, that, and that's kind of like explains like where everyone's was really at. Like what explains why Yondu was like that because he was just he you know it's just like they're not owning up to their actual feelings. They can't you know. Um, so you have this real uh, emotional connection. So which which is another thing I didn't pick up on on, fir- on first time when when uh, Rocket says I've. I've I don't want to lose one. Only want to lose one friend. So he's still thinking. Well, Peter's still going to remain on the planet. He's just. He, I didn't think he was talking about Yondu. Uh, but anyway. So. Yeah, we have the funeral, and. Um, yeah, Rocket sends. Yeah, it's, it's Rocket sends the word out, doesn't for it? For anyone, for anyone with the right Netflix um, level subscription, and I mean the the four screen HDR version, four K. Uh, the four K on the funeral is lovely. It is. I watched it, I watched it on Netflix today, mm-hmm. and the, the the 4K on the funeral is just lovely. It's bursting with color. Mm. It's it's really nice, and it, and it's got obviously, it's it's made up obviously because these races don't exist. You know, they've been they've they come from the mind of the minds of people at Marvel, but it had a real feel of ritual to it, established almost ancient ritual. Yeah, they they they've been doing this for their fallen for for decades or centuries or whatever. Well, that's pretty much what it's, what it's all based on, isn't it? Really, it's quite interesting. It's the, they they kind of like space fireworks, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and I love the fact it kind of it 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 reconciles like disparate ravagers as well, because mm. you end up with like 
Sly and Ving, who's ridiculously oversized in this. They put him against people. They've upsized him, so he's still... <laughs> they made him look bigger. He's twice the height. Um, and Michelle and Michelle Yeoh and that, they, they get put together. I, I really want to, I, I really want to watch the sort of Dad's Army fucking Guardians <laughs> film. <laughs> That'd be funny. Well, yeah, but they, were, they were the original Guardians of the Galaxy lineup. so there's hint... There's... The, yeah, hints. it was re- it, yeah, it's, it was relaunched in two thousand and eight, but obviously the the original incarnation I think is nineteen eighty four. So I think that's where that comes from, and that's the level. That's my, the total. Uh, that's the total extent of my expertise. Yeah. Just little bits and pieces I've read, not very much. Never read the actual comics. So there's hints they might sort of turn up in the third film, um, or maybe have like the spin off, maybe. I think it's probably more like just turn up in the third. Maybe film, the but... problem is Marvel has a packed slate. I mean, if this, if you know, if there was a second Marvel studio with, you know, or yeah. you know, if Fox or Sony had had the exact same sensibility as Marvel, and this had been sort of created as an X Men type universe, then they'd have had room to like make more of these. Yeah, you can do kind of a smaller, lower budget one, can't you? Almost like a space you Expendables, can. can't you? Whether, yeah, whether they'll do like another imprint or something, I don't know. You know, just outside of the MC, I don't know. There are possibilities for it, obviously, but I know there was a gap because of the whole James Gunn thing. But the next Guardians film is probably going to arrive five years after the second one. Um, and in, in that background, we're trying to launch the Eternals, do Spider Man films, do Captain Marvel and Black Panther sequels, launch whatever the team ups are going to be after the sort of current incarnation of the Avengers. You know, and and all the rest of it, and and potentially other new characters they might want to launch. I mean, Adam Warlock is hinted at in this. You know, mm. will Adam Warlock turn up somewhere? Um, with, at the light of all that, you're going to find it very hard to fit in a Sly Stallone film. Sly's in his seventies now, anyway. You know what I mean? You can't you can't keep saying, "Well, we'll do it in five years' time." But it was a nice little tease. I liked it. I like the idea. There's a bigger universe out there of people doing similar things in different configurations yeah. do you know what i mean and all done to the sound of a cat stevens yeah. cat stevens or yarnis as he's is he now called that yarn to you said i think he still performs as cat stevens though okay all right it's a bit like terence trent darby is not called that anymore he's called like sananda matraya or something um <laughs> the artist okay. Paul, Justin, the, the artist is now called the artist probably knows prince i mean i don't give a shit to be honest with you call, call yourself whatever you want and if you feel better with a different name do it but like i do struggle to like remember and keep up who's who <laughs> the, the artist formerly known as cat stevens yes <laughs> that's probably known as use of islam oh <laughs> I mean, at least with Prince, we know it was just to get out of a recording contract. Even, even though, you know, he, he's, in the end, he became, um, became literally just the, the, the symbol. He still called him, call him Prince. And, yeah, and but that's that was, yeah, but he became that symbol to get out of a recording contract. Yeah. That's exactly. all it was. As soon as all that expired, he went back to being Prince again. Mm. Yeah, because he had the rights to his exactly. name, basically. Yes, I agree. He changed his name that way just to get himself out of the recording contract. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah, strange, strange one, but there you go. Cassidy, there's a few other, I think I might have used Flashlight on the teaser here. Mm. Um, it's a good soundtrack. I struggle to remember it as well, but then I haven't seen the films often. I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy like a couple of times as many, if mm. you like, but neither of them have I seen as many times as I've seen, you know, Iron Man or whatever. 
Yeah, I, I think I've listened. I've been listening to the soundtrack a bit recently, and I've listened, I listened to both of them on like back to back. And I think I definitely prefer the second one. It just sounds a bit more kind of. I think much more like the film. It just feels a bit more complete. Whereas like the the Guardian sounds very much like a compilation of stuff. Like it's like a, it's like like a compilation of pop, random part hits put together. But this one kind of there's a bit more thought behind it. You know what I mean? There's a bit more. I don't know that that I think it. Is more quality rather than crowd pleasers. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Of course. What does he get at the end? He gets a Zune or something that's got a hundred tracks <laughs> on it. Yeah, and he's Zoom. blown away by that. A hundred. Yeah. Well, there was a time that was like impressive. The idea that was a lot. Yeah, back in the day. You could physically fit in your pocket. Could be fitted. You know, in terms of. Yeah, it was good. Um, you think I memory on those things, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. I need to actually go through the soundtrack to be honest with you because it's funny because the chain played in a perfect place as well. Yeah, that was a good song. Of, uh, breaking the chain, and and he's got to kill his own father. Yeah, he's got to break the chain. Perfect. Yeah, as I say, the second well, the last sort of minutes of the chain is the Formula One theme and on when it, it was BBC. But yeah, the Fleetwood Mac song. Um, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll have to have to go through it because I, I, to be honest, I don't. I didn't immediately recognise quite a lot of it anyway, but I used um I used flashlight Parliament on the trailer. I'm mm. sure I did. Yeah. So post credit, I just want so we go into the credits, and all all I want to say is this is probably my favourite credit sequence since Iron Man three. Wow. What? Because it just kept giving you stuff to like watch and not just forward, like forward. We get momentum. five of them, don't we? Just forward momentum, uh, good-looking credits, good music. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Iron Man Three. I've always enjoyed the like credit sequence to it because it's got a retro feel and a whacking ton of energy in it. With this, yeah, there, there are. I can, what are the post-credit sequences? The post-credit sequences. I well, think, you had the... The, yeah, the introduction to um, the Sly Space Expendables. Um... So, so yeah, you had you had the old Guardians. I, I, that means that sounds so rude. I don't mean it to, but the older yeah, yeah. team, the, the, the previous incarnation, the, um, the classic got... team, yeah, the, cla- the classic the team. Classic team yes, that's a good way to do it. Classic team. Yes. Um, yeah, the first one is um, oh, what's his name? Got uh, 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 James Gunn's brother. Yes, messing oh. around with the the arrow. Yeah, he gets it. given the arrow. Rocket it back together to him which is a nice thing to do and it's a nice little character beat for Rocket given he's not in the scene yeah. he took the time to put that back together for him and he's trying to learn to manipulate it with his whistle he ends up firing it at Drax around a corner <laughs> and he, you know he kind of stands there looking cheapish while Drax is screaming with pain um, yeah and then yeah so you have that then you have the the introduction with the Sovereign looking a bit broken and they um, and they they've got like a, a gold coffin with that I wish I'll call him Adam. It's actually quite the opposite of a coffin. It's um, it's an incubator. If incubator, you like, sorry, yes. I don't know. I don't know why I say coffin, but a chamber of some Except sort. Call him warlock. Uh, that I don't know the wider universe well enough. I had to be the person I was sat next to grew up with Marvel. He said that's Adam Warlock, and then yeah. obviously I came and looked the character up and stuff. Yeah. Because I have to. I didn't know what that was. No, that's that was quite uh, a big reveal, uh, wasn't it? Quite a big deal. Groot's now a teenager, so obviously Groot, that's yeah. come forward a bit. So basically. A father going into his room in Peter so Peter's maturing, Peter's maturing into a father figure, he'll regress a bit by the time of Infinity War <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, yeah, Groot, is, there's, there's a few wanking metaphors here, you know what I mean and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a moody mouthy teenager calling his mm. dad 
And the last one, I think, is Stan Lee being left by the Watchers, who yeah. he was telling all the stories. And it's how am I going to get my ride home? <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah, lot, that's it. We had another egg, um, at the duck cameo. Yep. Well, actually, for the credits, you see uh, Jeff Goldblum's character from Thor Ragnarok, who is the collector's brother. Isn't he just dancing or something like that? Yeah, you just see you just see a little inset of him. You see Hasselhoff singing. What's the character called? I've got to I've got to remind myself. Let me think. Hang on, I'm trying not to look. The Grandmaster. That was it. I did have to look. Jeff Jeff Goldblum's Grandmaster character, who we'll see uh, chronologically. It was later the same year, so we hadn't seen the character at this point. So it was just something seeded in here. But he is from the same you know universe because he's the brother of the Collector, I believe. Yeah, we definitely saw Hasselhoff, and then there's lots of like the team dancing and it's got kind of like a it's got a faded magazine mm. effect there's like 80 stickers haven't you and they like and they got like sort of scri- as they come on they got like scribble like sort of moustaches and glasses on them and things like that don't they it's not it's not something for you desperate to finish whereas normally you go watch a marvel film it finishes you get like a minute or so of the top credits then you get the mid they always call it the mid credit yeah. sequence yeah. It's yeah, actually the, 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 with, the, with the big animation with the big main yeah. titles on it and the, then... tenth of, yeah, the tenth of the way through the credits sequence yeah you go see Captain Marvel you've got the whole song playing with lots of graphics of her mid credit sequence and then you get a standard credit sequence that runs forever because so many thousands of people work on these films now and it normally leads to a not very interesting end because typically now they're just little jokes at the end mm. and here they've seeded them all the way through but even had there been less I was just very comfortable with the flow of it and every time they came to another sequence they came back to a different song as well so yeah it worked really well for me yeah Yeah, definitely I think you know we should all take note of this Marvel pay attention yes I mean the thing thing with um, Iron Man 2 is I, I say it was a great credit sequence it was that first bit that was great and then it became a very traditional one this worked better all the way through so on that logic i'm probably arguing it's their best uh, end title sequence yeah so it, far. It, it makes you not sort of get tired yeah because on... normally you do sit there particularly in the cinema you just sit there going oh come on and, yeah. and you accept it but the thing is as well because the mid-credit sequence is always the good one mm. you do wait a very long time for a little 15 second joke at the end yeah whereas this like yeah. gives you like a few others breaks like and then something interesting to look at while also giving you something listenable, not just like oh movie scores. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, final thoughts, folks. Becca, do you want to go first because you went last at the start? Yeah, I can't really add much more. Really, um, you know, for me, this is probably I might rank this a little bit higher than what was perhaps I would have done previously on the series. Um, not many problems with this one. I mean, it's probably on a par with the first one um, in terms of the Marvel series. It's, it has more comedic beats to it. Um, as the, as you pointed out earlier in, in the review, I think the only perhaps weak point is perhaps Nebula's as um, yeah, is a little bit underused, which is shame. Karen Gillan is is fantastic. Um, visuals, all the cast are on to, you know on top form. Um, all the um, the interactions are kind of really. I hate to use <laughs> I hate to use the word. I use it twice now. 
um, organic, it's sort of very natural. Um, none of it kind of feels really forced. Um, there's a sort of humanity always to, to, to the dialogue, to the humour as well. It's one of the funniest films in, in terms of, of the Marvel series, which can be quite weighty at, um, at times because the stakes are so high. Um, it kind of really helps to bring a bit of levity to it, and even though there are lives at stake. Um, great score, great performances. What's not to love? Indeed, yeah. I mean, I just... I just it's not it's not perfect, but but you know four out of five. Well, what is really? I mean, look, um, yeah, I think this is still probably it's going to be top three for me, easy. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, it's. it's I don't think it's that high for me, but. Well, yeah, but I think I think this is one of my I think it's like a favourite of mine. So, should we say this is probably my license to kill? Should we save the series? Oh, really? Though I would say, you know, as as the films in Marvel go. It's pretty. Is your to go? Oh. It's pretty. I say it's pretty tight. It's pretty complete as a film. So um, I, I don't know. We'll see where we are in the rankings. You know, because we've got the other Avengers film. We've got um, Endgame coming up. So we we will see. Uh, but yeah, I, I, as it stands, I think this is probably the the one Marvel film that does kind of strike a chord with me. Uh, it's the only one that makes me go. I won't say cry. But it does make me go. Oh. Um, yeah, it does take out the heartstrings a little bit, it, doesn't it? It does, and and it earns it as well. And that's the thing; it's not just me being a big softy, but it it does actually. <laughs> you uh, are a big softy. Oh, thanks. No, he's not. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I said that but ironically. He's but, not. Like, he's not. I'm way. I'm way softer than Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got but, a tough exterior. But yeah, and all, all the characters work. I mean, I think it's you know when, when you analyse it, it, it's it's quite sharp. Um, all the character work is is really well done. I do appreciate the fact that it went a bit smaller, went a bit more character driven rather than like, well, let's just have lots of big set pieces and a big rambling adventure, which I think a lot of people maybe expected going in. Um, but it still manages to be entertaining without the the big action set pieces, and and it crafts action in it, in it quite well you know it, it does tell a story about relationships and characters and um yeah i i, I strongly pra- um, praise the century for me i think i'm not a down sequels at all and i i don't believe sequels are always diminishing returns but i think when sequels come in at or around the standard of the predecessor the original ranks higher. It's as simple as that because it did it first. If it do- if it does it to a similar standards, then it did it first. It's a bit like had Moonraker been an identical standard to the Spy Who Loved Me, the Spy Who Loved Me would rank higher. Simple as that. It did it first because they are very similar films. With this, Guardians, the first film has dropped a little for me. When I say it's dropped a little, I mean it probably would have been top four at one stage, and I can't see it being there to be honest. I think the characters are kind of top four, the inventiveness, the world, and all the rest of it. But the end result was like a decent film with a really shit last third. This is a much more consistent film. And I remember tweeting when I came out of it that it's probably a wash, the first one, but all its strengths are in different places. Um, I still kind of agree with that. Having said that, my implication was that the first couple of acts of the first film were better well actually this has a very tight first act as well so it's funny it works really well there's a density of jokes to it that's the thing that's why i think you know 
Gunn probably went back and wrote several drafts of his script because there's just there's layer upon layer of jokes without it really overwhelming at any point. And it is very tight, so it's a film I admire greatly, and in its individual pieces, it's very good. I'm, I'm much, much more, and I've said this before, of a, of a Kurt Russell fan than I was as a younger man. Didn't like him when he was a younger man, couldn't tell you why. Really, really like him as a, as a sort of more middle-aged man now. I, I like him a lot. In terms of where I'm going to rank it, well, the rankings are, are yet to come, but I, I, I can see provisionally it gets into the top half just. So... And I, I sort of kind of think that's unfair in a way. But I think it's a sign that, like we said on the forthcoming Captain Marvel some, uh, show, middling kind of means good these days with Marvel. They're long past these sort of phase one slight misfires and phase two so what films. They, You know, everything is good. Yeah, all right, you can argue formulate, you can argue a lot of things. But everything down to about two thirds of the way down is is, is it good i think the big knock on this film is i won't remember it in a couple of weeks i'll remember a couple of little bits and a couple of little lines but it doesn't stick like the first one and when you start comparing them to stuff like the winter soldier which is just magnificent it's not in the same universe and i don't have the same investment as i do in the sort of more regular universe that the earthbound if you like you know, I'm much more interested in Spider-Man and, and Iron Man and, and Captain America and all the rest of it. I think over the course of three or four films, Peter Quill would start getting on my tits. Um, but as a second stab at it, they actually made the first film better, even better. They added, they they managed to add things to stuff like Drax, where my gut feeling after the first film was, again, I keep saying it, the whole Stifler argument, less is more. You know, you think that's brilliant, let's add some more, and then you go, I can't stand it, stop. Well, it actually works to a bit more of Drax in this film. And, and you know, Mantis is quite a nice foil for him. So as a selection of, of bits, it's great. All of those bids, bits add up to something really cohesive and quite tight. But as a film, it's a bit less than the sum of its parts. And as such, it'll fall a couple of places below the other film. Spiritually, they're very similar. You know, they're very similar in quality. I could put them almost next to each other. But looking at my provisional rankings, a couple of films in between. It's top half Marvel. I like it a lot. But as I say, in a week or so, I won't have given this a thought. So that's our review of volume two. And it is a, a part of a great year as well, because obviously you've got two, uh, you know, for what I've just said is damning with faint praise, but this is like top half Marvel efforts, and so are the next couple as well, in my view. So, yeah, having said that, would I rank it higher if I wasn't as clueless? Do you, do you need more, you know, knowledge on this film? Well, when I think I won't think about it in a week's time, it's probably because I've got nothing to think about because I don't know anything. Do you need facts? Facts would help. That's exactly it, actually. Facts, Chris. You've hit would me. would it help if those facts were fun? I think it helps with retention because if I'm bored by the fact, I might think, "Well, that was interesting," but then I won't want to relive those golden moments with the brandy. <laughs> <laughs> with a cigar <laughs> and a, next to the fireplace. Do we know anyone with a track record of providing this kind of information? IMDb.com. <laughs> she never forgets the dot com the rest, of the, the rest of the world calls it IMDB but she never forgets the dot com 
Just does anyone bother with like co.uk.com and things like that? Just like, yeah, just Google it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the name of the site. He's never said IMDb without the .com, ever. Or, 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 or what you'll see is like, especially, especially in YouTube videos, they'll say links in the description. <laughs> just, just, just click there. Closer to home, I think, Becca, you are normally a purveyor of fun facts. Yes. I have five fun facts. So... One, which I didn't even know about. Even you? Even I didn't know. (laughs) Even Becca didn't know. Shock horror. No. Um, No, I think it's always... I don't know a lot, but some stuff I do know. (laughs) I don't know much. But I know fun facts. I was was about to join in that, and then I realised I've got hope and hell hitting the notes in that song. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know. I don't know much. I think doing that high falsetto voice is probably the best way. Anyway, so I'll I'll come out of my Johari window. And um, yeah, fun fact number one um, Colour of Ego's 1978 Ford Mustang Cobra. Um, Kind of like metallic teal and orange colour. Is the same as Claus Milano's ship as we've seen in the first film. Um, fun fact number two: um, in the comics, Mantis is half German, half Vietnamese. Uh, from Clementine, for his name I can never pronounce. Apologies. Um, is of Korean, French, and Russian heritage. Um, and also in the in the French dub of the film, she provides her own voice. She does her own French dubbing, which I think is very cool. Um, fun fact number three: Vin Diesel says, "I am Greek 17 or 18 times in the film." Um, whereas in the previous film, he the line for about six languages for the for the uh, various worldwide releases. Um, this time he did it various sixteen foreign language releases. So okay. Also looking at the technical aspects of the film, the makeup obviously the film's gone on. Makeup time has kind of squished down from several hours to like ninety minutes to an hour. But whereas other aspects have kind of have increased as well, so I think that's quite interesting. Um, fun fact number four, other actors considered for the role include Liam Neeson, Viggo Mortensen, Arnie, Eric Baradwin, um, and Ron Perlman. <laughs> it would have been interesting choices, especially Arnie. So you've had like... Well, especially Liam Neeson. I mean, if he's going to do that to a black man, what's he going to do to all the colours <laughs> in this film? I kind of thought, oh, a bit dodgy now. But no, considering, you know, his, his tough guy demeanour. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, he could, he could easily sort of... Be... Like now he probably wouldn't be cast at all. Um, yeah, my fun fact five that I didn't even know. Um, Ego, the living planet, is the biggest visual effect of all time, apparently, so far. Um, with over one trillion polygons. Um, and the, the look of the planet was inspired by the work of fractal artist Hartini, um, who also worked on the film. I think that that's something that I always remember them saying during Star Trek 2009 on the special features, because they had to put the Kelvin and the Narada in the same shot, and they said you animate them, not real size because that's miles, but relative to <laughs> relative to each other, you do. Mm. You you have to have that scale, otherwise it doesn't look right. No. So um, the Narada had that much more size and scale than that little Kelvin craft. And we know how detailed the Kelvin was. So yeah, they do. If if something is that big, they have no choice but to animate it big. Mm. That that was an impressive effect. Yeah, yeah, it was. And um, the effects work in this film is 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 pretty good. Yeah, definitely. You can see a little bit of an increased budget from last time out. You can. Yeah, the, the visuals are stunning. Definitely. 
Although I still I still maintain that the most visually impressive film is Not Strange. I didn't. I, I'm not going to argue with you because it's just your honest reaction to something, and it's not like the effects were bad. I I, I think I think it's mostly the colours in this as well. I mean, that's always going to. I didn't really yeah, notice. Definitely. I didn't really notice the visuals in Doctor Strange at all. It's so like I'm it's like watching a, um, like a kaleidoscope almost effect. But obviously, yeah. as, as you know, as I said, had we not had like Inception or The Matrix or those kind of films that really mm. kind of pushed the boundaries of movie making, we wouldn't really have, or or even you know, that all, all came from um, the original art from the original comics so we wouldn't really have have that kind of the visual language i guess so, you know and, and we will the poor for it so um yeah i i have a, a fun fact also, also, has a, has any fruity a corners he has a thing yes um yeah. well yeah kurt russell was like um the first choice from uh, chris pratt's suggestion uh uh-huh. but um there was also uh matthew McConaughey turned down oh, wow. the role of the quote-unquote villain which would have probably would have been ego um I th- they were referring to in that one but um yeah so i think the, it, it could have been all right all right all right all right as <laughs> which i think could have worked i mean obviously i think you know Kurt Russell's or, bear. They could, or they could have had david hasselhoff and at one point in the film he briefly morphed, morphed into like Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, been amazing. Yeah, yeah, but that'll just make everyone think, why couldn't you just get Kurt Russell to do it? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> no, that would have been pretty cool. Because I get the didn't they have like the Baywatch reboot come out as well? So he was in that, so he's kind of had as off as the um you know, the <laughs> Baywatch reboot. Yeah. And... Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that was a bit odd because you had The Rock basically play Mitch. And then, and and you had like one character play like the Pam Anderson character, and then you had both Pam Anderson and David Hasselhoff come back as kind of like themselves. And you're thinking, <laughs> hang on, so hold on a minute, what's going on here? Yeah, it was like, okay, so what? Uh, what? Uh, I mean, like, are, are, are you just, who are these guys? Are you just kind of like both spiritually and coincidentally have the same names? I I don't understand. Like, <laughs> oh Hollywood, that uh, film was shit. What the Baywatch uh, yeah. remake? But then the TV show was shit as well. Yeah, it, it was. Well, I mean, it did try to be oh, like cool a, following. <laughs> it did try to be like another Twenty Two Jumps Dumb Street, didn't it? But um, it, it didn't get any near that though. But but the rocks in it, so it made it watchable. That's what I thought it was going to be, though. That's what I was expecting because the rocks good at comedy as well. Yeah, and so is Zac Efron for that matter. So it's yeah. got half naked rock, half naked Zac Efron. That's all good. We didn't even mention the sort of scantily clad women in it, did we, Chris? No, not at all. I was just thinking. I've actually, it, but not, I was... I've actually not <laughs> seen actually it. actually mentioned the comedic abilities of the two leading men. <laughs> I've <laughs> not <laughs> seen it, so I can't comment. I wouldn't bother, Becca. It's 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 utterly forgettable. Yeah, I'm it, not going to bother. It's not embarrassingly one. poor. It's just totally nothing. You know, I've seen far worse, but it, it's not a Twenty One Jump Street. It is no. There you go. But then it's it's based on a property that was just awful anyway. Yeah. I mean look, to be fair, if you were ever gonna sort of do Baywatch the movie, I think this was that was like the way to do it That's like the style. Yeah, yeah. Just do it as like a kind of like a parody and then but obviously it just didn't work. Since the advert of Pornhub, it's a bit obsolete now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, now we all have like sort of, you know, pause and play and things like that. Yeah, you don't need it. Yeah, a joke that was a joke, but you know, anything even plot wise it was just it was kind of subpar the tv show but it was at one point 
because for obvious reasons it transcends language, it was the biggest TV show in the world for a while. Like a billion people used to watch it. It was hugely popular, wasn't it? So. Yeah, there you go. And that was pre-Pamela Anderson as well. Even in its early years it was. But there you go. I feel vaguely depressed we finished the evening talking about David Hasselhoff. <laughs> I really have. Particularly, particularly as next week starts with such an emotional high for me. Because I've got to admit, and I will admit it, I bear my soul on this show. You know, I I cry over the logo next time. Well, we'll go into that next week, which means Becca. Do you expect us to talk? We'll return with Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs>